Hey everyone, thanks for tuning into this week's message on the Antioch Indie Podcast. We hope you can step away from this message being encouraged and blessed and to move into your week in the mighty name of Jesus. Have a great day. Amen. Go ahead and pull out your Bible this morning. Something to take notes with. If you don't have a Bible, there's one under the seat that you're sitting in just for you. How weird would it be if your name was in it? That would be called a sign. If you open it up and your name is in that Bible, that's the Lord. Open your Bible up to John chapter 1 this morning. John chapter 1, actually, I don't mean that. What do I mean? John 16, that's what I meant. John 16, you can turn to John 16 and Romans chapter 8. Uh, I'd usually try to stick in kind of one spot, but not today. So sorry about it. We're going to be all over the place, but I think y'all can handle it. We are continuing our series this morning, finishing up a series we started a few weeks ago, few weeks ago called Zoe. And uh, we are talking about how in the New Testament, in the Greek, there's three different words that are translated to our one English word, life. And uh, one of them is bios, the Greek word bios, where we get biology. So referring to just being alive, your body working. Anybody got a body that's working this morning? Maybe some better than other, but hey, we're here. We're here. Uh, there's another word that I don't know how to pronounce where we get uh, psychology. We, we, we give it a French flair around here and call it pasuche. And uh, that's where we get our, our word psychology, so your mind and the psychological part of life. And then there's this Greek word zoe, zoe, talking about, I don't know how else to say it other than the guts of life, the, the, the fire of life, the life that we all want to live on our inside. It's not just our bodies, it's not just our minds, it's being alive. And we want to be a people who are alive. And in John chapter 1, where I know I told you not to turn, I'm just going to get there briefly. The, the series that we've been spending uh, this time on comes out of this verse mainly. In John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, it says, In him, speaking of Jesus, was life. In him was Zoe. And the Zoe was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. These three weeks have been all about making space for encountering Zoe. We all need a light that overcomes the darkness, amen. And Jesus uh, makes that list really clear where we find it. it it's kind of easy because there's just one thing. It's just in him, not him even plus church, not him and plus the things you can pull off. Jesus himself is Zoe life this morning. And as we have been going through this series, this is our our third week, the astute observer could understandably listen to this series, hear all of this great stuff, and make a note that this sounds great. John 1, praise God, and Jesus was Zoe. Jesus, I'm in for Jesus, go Jesus, Zoe sounds good, but Jesus isn't here. I'm not seeing him, right? I'm not seeing him. It sounds great, Pastor. The door, amen. The bread, amen. It's been awesome. Jesus promises to give Zoe and Zoe abundantly. Anybody been here either of the last couple of weeks? We've been encouraged by what Jesus says, but honestly, we look around church, if we're just being honest, and we see some some really great-looking people, obviously. There's some good music, uh, but you could understandably ask the question, where, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? And Maybe this morning, maybe you're not like the astute observer that's looking around and, and saying, where is Jesus? But maybe, maybe you are the parent with a child that you just can't keep watching hurt himself or herself and you're wondering, where's Jesus? Maybe you are the, the child who lost a parent too soon and you're wondering, where's Jesus? 
You are just somebody going through something that you'd rather not be going through and you're reading about this Jesus and you're thinking that Jesus sounds great, but where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Maybe you're the girl who's got some questions and you're wondering, where's Jesus? You're the guy who's got some mistakes that you don't know what to do with and you're looking around wondering, Jesus sounds great, but where is Jesus? Maybe you're just the normal person living your life, but you're hungry for life. And John 1 bursts on the scene and tells you Jesus is life. And that life is the light that you're looking for. And all of this sounds so good, but you're wondering, honestly, is anybody else asking this question? Because I don't know if I'm allowed to say it in church, but where is Jesus? I want to preach to you uh, part three of our series, Zoe, this morning. We're a note-taking church, so you can put this at the top. Part three, the Spirit. The Spirit. I had you turn to John 16, I think, if you could follow my instructions at all, and as confusing as they were. John 16, in verse five, this Jesus says something that's kind of shocking, honestly. It's in red letters, so that's the Jesus part. John 16, uh, verse five, like we did earlier, if you're there, say I'm there. Nice. Uh, I forgot what I had said. John 16, verse five. Jesus speaking, he says, but now I am going to him. He's talking to his disciples. His people have been following him. He's about to be arrested. He's about to be uh, tried and crucified. This is all about to go down. They have no idea And Jesus tells them, but now I am going to him who sent me. And none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. How many of you would be a little bummed out if you're walking with Jesus in the flesh and he says, I'm about to leave? I thought the whole point was that you were coming, you know? Nevertheless, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will, somebody say, I will. I will send him to you. I know how to read it, but what's that all about? Jesus says, it's better for you that I go. It's better for you that I'm not here anymore. It is better that I, Zoe, in the flesh, the door, the bread, the light, go away. It is better that I go away because if I do, I will send you the helper. And if I, if I don't, I won't send the helper, but if I do go away, I will send the helper to you. You ever read the Bible and thought, that doesn't sound like it should be in there? <laughs> this is one of those things to me. <laughs> I've shared my own journey with Jesus a lot of times in in our church before, and we've talked about it some over the last few weeks, and just talking about how, um, you know, I didn't always have this language of Zoe and all of that stuff, but in understanding this word Zoe, I have found that so much of my biological life, so much of my psychological life has been my search for Zoe life. We can be plenty alive in body and in mind, but I believe we're all hungry for Zoe. And, and, and so much of my life has been the search for Zoe life. And I shared that um, at about 20 years old when I was in college, I had grown up in church, amazing Christian family, Christian school, done the whole deal, but I never actually decided that I was gonna follow Jesus. And at 20 years old, I just realized the way I'm doing things is not cutting it, it's not what I want. I'm not exactly sure what I do want, but what I have is not what I want. <laughs> 
Sometimes that's the best clarity you have, right? All you have is, well, this ain't working. So I thought, well, I can give my life to Jesus and see what he does with me. And I remember at that moment making the decision, I'm gonna follow Jesus for real. I'm gonna walk through the door, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat the bread. I'm, I'm in, I'm gonna do this. And several months later, after beginning to follow Jesus and growing and learning to love God and just kind of just getting started. Anybody ever taken baby steps before? That's good. After a few months, I had this friend who had come alongside me and he was helping me learn how to follow Jesus because he was a little bit ahead of me and I'd been doing it for a little bit longer. And I remember asking me this question one time at lunch, do you know anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And I had never really heard much about the Holy Spirit. So I just, no. I mean, I know I've been baptized, but I don't really know much about the Holy Spirit. I had never really heard much about the Holy Spirit. I knew about the water part, and I had done that part, but I didn't know much about the Holy Spirit part. And as far as I could remember, no one had ever even really tried to talk to me that much. But how many of you know, looking back, it's probably not because nobody tried. (laughs) This might come as a surprise to you, but uh, back in my day, I had this tendency to like, not listen to people who were older and wiser than me and trying to help me. Um, I know you've never done that. You, you were never like that, but I was. So I know. It's, so somebody had probably tried to talk to me, but I never listened. But where it left me that day at lunch was no. I, have, I don't know anything about this Holy Spirit that you talk about. I've, I've heard about that as a thing, but never really had any conversations about it or known very much about it. I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. And my friend ta- started talking to me about how he, when he had started following Jesus and people uh, had started to introduce, talk to him about the Holy Spirit. He started to read his Bible and, and, and find the Holy Spirit on all of these pages because he had a similar background than me. And he was sharing with me that as he began to read the Bible, he started to realize that actually this good news isn't just about Jesus coming, but it's actually about God wanting to fill us, his people, with his very own spirit so that we can walk with him, so that we can know him, so that we can hear him, so that we can be a part of the things that he's doing in our lives and in other people's lives and around the world. And I didn't know much about that, but I knew I was hungry for God. And that sounded like God. He said it was in the Bible, and and he encouraged me to listen to a a couple of teachings that he had, but mainly he just said, why don't you just go home, start reading the book of Acts? Have you you read that since you really started, you know, going after God? And I was like, I don't think I've gotten that far yet. So he said, why don't you go home and and read the book of Acts and, and just ask God to speak to you. Read Acts for yourself. Ask God to speak to you for yourself and see what you see about God. I went home, and I began to read through Acts, and this is where we start jumping around the Bible a lot, so... Started reading through Acts, and uh, starting in Acts chapter 1, there's this verse in uh, verse 4, verses 4 and 5. It says, while staying with them, talking about Jesus, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. And that confused me. So Jesus has done the virgin birth thing. The grow up thing, he, the baptized ministry, arrested, tried, crucified, raised from the dead, still preaching and appearing to people. And here in Acts chapter 1, that Jesus, after all of that, is saying, don't leave until you get the promise. What was all that before? <laughs> what, what have we gotten so far? I mean, I'm like, it is finished. Like, <laughs> we haven't even gotten to the whole promise yet, he says. Wait for the promise 
of the Father, which, which he said, it continues, which, is, which he said, you heard from me. That's encouraging. Jesus says, you've heard from me. He said, we've talked about this before. And, you know, if you read through the Gospels, you realize there's a lot of things Jesus talked about that the disciples and people following him kind of missed the dots connecting on some things. And that's just good news because I know I've got some dots missing on some connecting. Anybody else missing some dots here? Uh, but you can still uh, follow Jesus even when all your don't, dots don't connect. <laughs> that's encouraging. So he's like, I'm reminding you here, you heard this from me. And, and if you go back to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 11, right before Jesus gets baptized, John the Baptist, who if you've been around church, you've heard about him. If that doesn't ring a bell, that's okay. Matthew chapter 3 verse 11, John is looking at Jesus and he says, I baptize you with water but he who's coming after me, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So John said that about Jesus. And then Jesus in John chapter 7, he's having one of his moments where he just stands up in front of a crowd and says some stuff that nobody understands. In verse 37 of John 7, it says, on the last day of the feast, the great day, a lot of backstory there, but what you need to know is on the last day of the feast, the great day Jesus stood up. And he cried out, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart, out of his guts, out of his belly, out of him will flow rivers of living water. Jesus says, I told you this was coming. I told you this stuff was coming. So don't leave until you receive the promise of the Father, which he has said you heard from me. Verse five, for John baptized with water, but you will. There it is again, you will. You will. Remember John 16, Jesus says, I will. I mean, you know, Jesus does what he says he's gonna do. I will send the helper. Verse five, for John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. You just go a few verses down to verse eight, Jesus is still talking, but you will, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. I, we're eight verses in, folks. And I'm thinking, have these always been here? <laughs> Like, I've read, I think, this whole thing by that point. You ever read the Bible and wondered if that's been there the whole time? Has this always been part of the story? Like, apparently, Jesus is standing in front of his disciples. You walked with me in the flesh. You heard me speak to you. We had interactions. We ate together. You saw the miracles. You saw me be uh, arrested and tried and crucified. You've seen me raised from the dead, and the story is not over. The story is not over. You will. You will. So I'm eight verses into Acts wondering, wow, this is getting interesting fast. I keep reading, and uh, I remember getting to Acts 19. If you want to just flip over there, you can. It's just read a couple of verses here. Acts, and, Acts 19, 1 through 3, Acts is the, the story of the church, of people beginning to follow Jesus, of churches beginning to start around the world. And by Acts 19, there's a bunch of stuff that has happened. In Acts 19, it just says this, and as, as it happened, that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country, and he came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. So he shows up at Ephesus. That's like the book of Ephesians. So these people turn into kind of a big deal, <laughs> you know, get like a whole book of the Bible. 
They don't have the book of the Bible yet though, right? So, so they're just Ephesus. There's people who are just starting to follow Jesus. In verse two, he says, and he, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That encourages me. <laughs> anybody, and, and anybody around here, you've just kind of given your life to Jesus in the last few weeks. And those of us who've been following Jesus for just like you know, less than a hundred years, the newbies around here, it's okay that we don't know the whole thing. Amen. Even in the Bible, they were like, no, we haven't heard about some of this stuff. Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Where is Jesus for us today, right here, right now, trying to live this Zoe life, trying to navigate the things that we're trying to navigate, trying to believe, sing these songs about stuff that we believe, that we know, that we've seen, and, and, and it's all true. We do know, and we do believe, and we have seen, and... But where is he? I've seen him. But where is he? I can't exactly point to him. I've heard him. I can't quite point. I don't know exactly where he is, but I've heard him. Where where is Jesus? As you read read Acts, you read the the rest of the Bible. As As I began to look at the rest of the Bible, I realized that part of the plan this whole time of God was that he would come in the flesh and that he would then leave us in the flesh. I wouldn't have necessarily done it that way, but that's how it goes down. Why? He leaves us in the flesh so that we could be filled with him in the spirit. He says, it's better for you. It's better for you. This kind of close enough is not close enough. There's still something better. Jesus wants to fill you with his very spirit. And he said that it's better. It is better to be filled with the spirit than to walk with Jesus in the flesh. (laughs) You ever looked at the Bible and be like, man, they had it easy back then. They could see him. Am I being too honest? (laughs) There's a lot of talk of God in our world. Jesus is fairly common, but who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Some consider the Holy Spirit a a theological concept. Some consider the Holy Spirit a a denominational preference. Some consider the Holy Spirit a, a seasonal experience. Back in the day, some reduced the Holy Spirit to some feelings or some emotions or some reactions to something. Some consider the Holy Spirit a a New Testament amendment to the plan of God. Some consider the Holy Spirit and have used the Holy Spirit to to build themselves up, to make themselves great. But as I began to read the Bible, as I continue to read the Bible, I don't see any of these opinions affirmed in the Word of God. I see instead there is one mighty truth about the Holy Spirit that the Bible makes so clear to us And as the people of God, we have the opportunity to accept this morning. And that truth, if it is true, it changes everything. And that truth is that the Holy Spirit, he is God. He is God. In Genesis 1, he is hovering over the waters of the deep, pregnant with all of creation. In Exodus 3, he's the burning bush. In Exodus 13, he's a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. In Leviticus 9, he's a supernatural fire from heaven on the altar. In Numbers 9, he's the cloud of the presence over the tabernacle. In Deuteronomy 10, he's the circumciser of the heart. In Joshua, he's the counselor and the commander of the Lord's army. In Judges, he's the power behind the judges to call the people of God back to themselves. In Ruth, he is her sustenance, allowing for her relationship with her redeemer. 
And Samuel, he is the voice of God to his people. In Kings and Chronicles, he is the mantle of the prophets. In Ezra and Nehemiah, he is our restorer. In Esther, he is our advocate. In Job, he is our upholder. In Psalms 18, he is our rescuer. In Psalm 23, he is our shepherd. In Proverbs, he is our wisdom. In Ecclesiastes, he's our purpose. In Song of Solomon, he's our intimacy with God. In Isaiah 7, he is the revelation of God on the earth. And in Isaiah 61, he is our anointing. In Jeremiah 31, he's the knowledge of the Lord written on our hearts. In Lamentations 3, he's the new mercies of God every morning. In Ezekiel 37, he's life in dry bones. In Daniel 3, he's the fourth man in the fire. In Hosea, he is our purity. In Joel 2, he is the outpouring of God. In Amos, he bears up under our burdens. In Jonah, he is the shade tree of compassion. In Obadiah, is the inheritance, our inheritance of the kingdom of God. In Micah, he is the one who declares the coming Savior. In Nahum, he is slow to anger and great in power. In Habakkuk, he is our righteousness. He is our faith. In Zephaniah 3, he is in our midst. He is mighty to save. He is rejoicing over us with gladness. He is quieting us with his love. And he is exulting over you with loud singing. In Haggai, he is with us, dispelling all fear. In Zechariah, he is greater than our might. He is greater than our power. He is himself our ability. And in Malachi 4, he is the restorer of hearts. Who is the Holy Spirit? In Matthew, he is the revelation of the kingdom of God. In Mark, he is the power of God. In Luke, he is the burning in the hearts on the road to Emmaus. In John, he's the promised one to come who convicts the sinner of his sin and the saint of his righteousness. In Acts, he is the life of the church. In Romans 8, he is our adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. In 1 Corinthians 12, he empowers us. In 2 Corinthians 12, he is our strength made perfect in weakness. In Galatians 3, he is grace and our new beginning. In Ephesians, he is our unity and our offensive weapon, our sword against the devil. In Philippians, he is the power of the resurrection in us. In Colossians 1, he is Christ in us, the hope of glory. In Thessalonians, he is our worthiness. In Timothy, he is our authority. In Hebrews, he is our assurance and he is our endurance. In James, he is our integrity. Peter, he is our holiness. First, second, and third. John, he is our trustworthy spirit. And Jude, he is our perseverance. And in Revelation 22, he is our partner, the partner of the bride, looking up to heaven, calling out, come, come Lord Jesus. I know we say this all the time, but salvation is not a destination. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. It's an invitation, not just a destination to get to heaven someday, though that is true and that is great news. It is an invitation from God for you to be filled by, covered in, baptized by, immersed in, soaked in, possessed by his very spirit, the spirit of the living God. You are allowed to be alive you're allowed to be alive you are allowed to be covered in zoe to be filled with zoe to see with zoe to hear with zoe to flow out with zoe you are allowed to be alive I know some of us, sometimes we just wish Jesus would show up. We just wish Jesus would show up in the flesh, right? 
We've got those moments. Not just the moments where you want to. I'm talking about the moments where it's like, no, for real though this time. I need you to show up. You just wish he would speak audibly. You just need to hear something. You wish he would, just, he would just break in. He'd walk through the door and change some things. Take control. Take over. Make some things right. You wish you could just physically see him just for a second. Sometimes you wish you could see the door. Sometimes you wish you could touch the bread. I'm not saying I understand it all, but I'm saying I believe Jesus, that this promise of the Father was not just that he would send his son in the flesh, but his promise is that he would fill you with his spirit. I know sometimes I just want Jesus to show up. And that's where we do the work of believing that we talked about last week. We do the work of believing. I may not be able to see him, but I can see him. I may not be able to hear him, but I can hear him. I may not be able to feel him, but I can feel him. I may not be able to touch him, but I can touch him. He may not be here, but he is here by his spirit. Romans chapter 8, I think I might have had you turn there one of these times, starts off in verse 1 and 2. It says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Verse 2 says, for the law of the spirit of Zoe, the spirit of Zoe has set you free in Jesus Christ for the law, from the law of sin and death. Zoe isn't just a prayer you pray. Zoe is not just a routine you follow. Zoe is a life for you to live by the Spirit of God. How do we do it? I'm glad Romans 8 doesn't end in verse 2. If you go down to verse 5, it says this. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For to set their mind on the Spirit, to set your mind on the Spirit of Zoe, is Zoe. (laughs) Is Zoe and is peace. Living baptized in the Holy Spirit is not just an experience that you may or may not have. I don't know if you've ever been in church, but sometimes us church people can make things weird that don't need to be weird. (laughs) Amen, anybody? (laughs) And when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people get their categories out real fast. (laughs) Their boxes out real fast. God blows their boxes and they just build them new ones, you know? (laughs) And I want you to hear me this morning being baptized in the Holy Spirit according to Romans chapter eight. It's not just an experience that you have. Living baptized in the Holy Spirit is actually a choice that you make. Set your mind. Set your mind. Set your mind. The Holy Spirit gets a reputation for being just a feeling, you know? People say you have to feel a certain thing. You gotta experience a certain thing. You gotta react to a certain thing in a certain way. You don't need the Bible, just feel it, right? Like, the people, Christians who talk about the Holy Spirit from the people who don't talk about the Holy Spirit, they get the bad rep. Like, they don't believe the Bible, they just feel stuff, you know? Who knows us church folk? Can we can just, bleh. let's stop doing that. 
set your mind. Set your mind. It's not that you don't need the Bible and you just need to feel, feel it. You know, and we talk about the Holy Spirit, and too often we can kind of swing one way and say, you know what I mean? You don't need discipline in your life. Being filled with the Holy Spirit just means like go with the flow. We just go with the flow. The flow is everything. Chase the flow. <laughs> can I tell you, we're, we're never going to find the Bible verse that says follow your heart? <laughs> Set your mind. Set your mind. We're not talking about emotions. We're not talking about reactions. We're talking about being a people who set our mind on Zoe. Set our mind. Sometimes when we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we want God to do something. We need God to break through. We need God to do something. We need God to come and do what only we, he can do. We pray it every week. We believe it. We need it. It's got to happen. I'm hungry for it now. I'm hungry for it more. And sometimes we're waiting on God to do something and the Holy Spirit's just waiting on us to make a choice. He's like, I did. (laughs) Think about this. Set your mind on me. Set your mind on me. Can I tell you this morning what the Bible says here is don't expect to experience life and peace if your relationships are set on the flesh. Don't expect to experience life and peace in your finances if your finances are set on the flesh. Don't expect to experience life and peace from how you're spending your time if how you're spending your time is set on the flesh. Don't expect to experience life and peace from what you're watching and what you're listening to and what's swirling on your insides if all what's swirling on your insides is set on the flesh. Don't expect your mind to lead you into life and peace unless you are actively setting your mind on the spirit. We have to be a people who are disciplined with our minds. There is so much more of God to know, not necessarily by waiting for something to happen to us, but by making choices that we are empowered to make to set our minds on the Holy Spirit. There are things living in our minds that aren't living there because God won't do something. It's because we won't. There's stuff swirling on my insides. There's things I'm believing. There's lies that are impacting me. There's fears that are tearing me up. And they're not there because God won't do something. They're there because I'm setting my mind on those things. I've got to set my mind on the Spirit. That's what the Bible says is the life baptized in the Spirit is a life disciplined to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. We've got to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. Anytime we start talking about the mind in church, things can get a little funky. Especially when I start saying things like there's things living in our minds that don't have to be. I am not minimizing mental health, okay? We we don't go down that road either, (laughs) okay? Mental health is a real thing. Around here, we're fighting for it. We're impacted by it. We're, we're praying for it. We, we have mental health professionals in our church that we love and support and cheer on. Amen? Come on, be with me here. I know it's like a sensitive topic, but just trust me on this one. We're on, I'm not saying this is nothing. Please, like we need doctors. We need medical breakthroughs. There's a place for medicine. We are thankful for therapists and counselors who help us navigate the different things. Please, if you are struggling with some of these things, don't stand up here or don't watch me stand up here and say, just deal with it. And don't not get help because of some stigma or, or whatever. Like, well, the Bible says just my mind on the spirit, okay? Like, don't, don't let that hold you back. That is not at all what I'm saying. We're on the same team, all of us. We're in this together, right? We are in this together. I'm not minimizing any of that. I'm not minimizing any of it. All of that is true. All of that is true. 
Mental health is real. We have to, we have to keep fighting. We got to keep going. We got to keep pressing in. We got to keep helping each other. We got to keep figuring out how we navigate this as individuals and communities. We've got to dive into that and, and, and. Just like in every area of your health and in your life, you have choices to make to set yourself up for success. It, it, it matters how you treat your body, right? It matters what you eat. It matters that you take care of yourself. It matters that you have a nice diet and work out. Like that helps, right? There's, there's an area of responsibility of choices that I have to make to set up my health up, to set myself up for success. And there are some, there are some internal factors that we need to make sure we're managing responsibly, that we're taking responsibility for, not because that means no outside factors will hit us. Come on. What I'm trying to say is when you eat right, when you exercise, when you take care of yourself, when you are conscious about your health on an everyday basis, that does not make you immune to the things that you cannot help, right? It doesn't make you immune to the genetics. It doesn't make you immune to all of these things, but it does set you up to fight those things better if they do come. It does avoid some risks of some of those things. It does give you a better ability to stand strong when those things come against. There, there's, it's both, right? And sometimes in the church, we can, we can get so caught up in the spirit and forget that the spirit is not about letting go of our thoughts, letting go of the truths of God and just going with the flow. It's about being a disciplined people who are, who are baptizing our lives in the Holy Spirit by setting our minds on the things of God. Sometimes we need help fighting, amen? You ever needed help with anything in your life? All right, cool, we'll throw this in there too, right? We all need help fighting these battles and we all have a part to play in fighting these battles. I know it's sensitive and I know I'm going after, but I want you to hear my heart in this. I want you to hear God's heart in this. This is good news because I believe that there are battles that we have responsibility for that we think are defeating us. There are things that we are allowed to fight back against that we think are overwhelming us. There are, are, there, are, there are tools that we have to fight by the power of God things that we think we are helpless against. We have the choice to be a people who set our minds on life and peace and experience Zoe and walk in Zoe. I know it's nuts and bolts, but it's where the rubber hits the road, as they say. What does that look like? I'm just gonna share one more verse with you. Philippians 4. Philippians 4, 8 and 9, it says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then he goes on, he says, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice, practice these things. And the God of peace Reminds me of the spirit of Zoe bringing peace, right? And practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Will be with you. I wanted to point out Philippians 4 before we ended just because, you know, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll look at a list like that in the Bible and it comes off so legalistic. Like, oh my gosh, like, oh, he's like making me squeeze through this thing. It's, it's not legalism, it's a cheat code. <laughs> it's a cheat code. It's a, it's a rubric. It's an outline. It's a, it's a treasure map. He's not just leaving you out to dry, saying you should really try harder in your brain. 
He's saying, no, 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 I'm gonna help you. Because how many of you know, we get the habit of focusing on the wrong things. And it's really helpful that Jesus steps right in and he makes it really clear, here's the things we're looking for. Here's the things we're looking for. If it doesn't line up with these things, don't set your mind on it. Fight those things. You can handle it. You can go against it. And then verse nine, and when you can't handle it, there's this element of looking around, looking at what we're receiving from other people, hearing from other people, seeing other people fight. There's an element of doing it together right here in verse nine. Verse eight is you can do this. Verse nine is, and when you can't, let me help you. And when we do that, God is with us. And we see his kingdom come. The peace and the life of Jesus. Like I said, we are all, we are, we are big believers in that there is so much that God can only do. And we need God to do what only he can do. And we've got to do what only we can do. You've got a choice. What are you going to set your mind on? And there's this invitation. You can set your mind on the promise of the Father, the spirit of the living God, and live a life baptized in the spirit of Zoe. We need encounters, amen? And we need choices. We need to make choices. Why don't you go ahead and stand as we close our time together this morning. We're gonna worship We're one more song like we always do. We're gonna have our prayer team come up to the front like we always do. Uh, we just think that, uh, you know, you should be able to get prayer for things in church. So that's why we have a prayer team. It's nothing crazier than that. And uh, I wanna invite you, if you're here this morning and you need prayer for anything at all in your life, to come on up as we worship. Uh, sometimes it can feel like, what if people look at me? Nobody's looking at you. It's okay. And uh, you're not the only one that needs prayer. I need prayer. So it makes two of us right there. This whole series has been about believing, doing the work of believing that Jesus is the source of the Zoe life that we're looking for. If you're here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus and, and submitted your life to Jesus, you've never walked through that door, you've never realized that there's nothing else on the list but Jesus. You don't have to have all the answers, but there is a choice to make. Do you wanna follow Jesus? If you're here this morning and you're saying, that's me. I don't know, but I don't know all the answers, but I know that I need the life of God inside of me. I need to be made new. I need freedom. I need peace. I need the Holy Spirit. Please don't leave without talking to somebody. Talk to the person who came with you. Come up and talk to somebody on our prayer team. Uh, every single one of us has a step to take towards Jesus today. Maybe that's your step. For those of you who are already following Jesus, I wanna just take some moments during these last songs. We always say it's good to hear the word of God, but it's great to respond to the word of God. I'm gonna ask that the Holy Spirit would come and he would fill us and baptize us. I'm gonna ask that over these next few minutes that God would give us the encounters that only he can give. And I'm asking that he would convince us and help us and give us the strength to make the choices that only we can make. I believe that there's gonna be some things left behind in the room this morning. Some things that have been bringing death that God wants to bring life and peace. If you need prayer, somebody with you on anything like that or anything else in your life, you need a miracle, you need anything at all, that's why our prayer team is here. These aren't just closing moments of, uh, of our time together. Miracles happen in these minutes. Encounters of God happen in these minutes. I wanna encourage you to stay in the room. Don't leave. We're gonna expect God to do what only he can do. And we're gonna commit to do what only we can do. Jesus, we love you. And we invite you, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and fill us. Speak to us, lead us, guide us. Lord, I'm asking that you would fill us with the spirit of the living God. But I'm praying for anybody here who doesn't know you, that they would hear you calling their name. 
Lord, I'm asking that you would pull in every single one of us just hard enough to make it impossible not to respond. So would you come and speak, come and do what only you can do, God, and, and, and highlight the decisions in our life that where we can, can make that decision to walk towards Zoe life this morning in Jesus' name.